Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermons. Good morning. Uh, communion, let's be ready for that. But for this moment, we want to encourage you to open up your Bible with us. Exodus chapter 5, if you will join us there. Exodus chapter 5. We had a wonderful time on our trip down to Jacksonville, Florida. For those that went, uh, we want to say thank you for making that happen. Uh, it was a great blessing to see Pastor Campbell, Pastor Greg Mitchell. The Southeast P- Pioneer Rally is an annual opportunity to see amazing things what God is doing. The building was packed out. Pastor Ron Meyer uh, um, hosting that event, and uh, it was a great time. We appreciate those who are with us. And I, I told him, you know, we got back late last night. I told him, I said, if I have to be there to preach first thing in the morning, uh, then you got to be there to listen. So thank you for doing that. Hallelujah. So Exodus chapter 5, if you join me there. There was a laboratory, a laboratory experiment done a number of years ago where researchers performed an experiment to see what effect hope would have on those undergoing hardships. And so they put together two separate groups of laboratory rats. These rats were placed into separate tubs of water. The first set of rats was put into the tub of water, and within an hour, they had all drowned. The second group of rats, instead of just putting them in the water and leaving them there, every few minutes or so, the researchers would go in pull them out of the water, and then put them back in. 
to give them a little bit of hope. And when they did that, something amazing happened. These rats did not die after only an hour of swimming. Instead, they swam for over 24 hours straight. No sleep, no rest. Just for the fact of having hope that they would get out. This gave them the strength that they needed to survive. Now, I don't know how you came in here this morning. Maybe you've been drowning in some despair. Maybe you've been going through some difficult things and some trying times. Guess what? That is life. Well, God is here this morning to remind you that if you're going to make it, and if you're going to make it through with a testimony of who God is, like our sister this morning, you've got to have hope. You've got to have the faithful expectation that God is doing something good. Did you hear that? What is hope? Hope is not some abstract. Hope is not just some, uh, some drug-induced high. No. Hope is the faithful expectation. I might not see it now, but I know God is going to do something good. That's what hope is. And if you have hope, you have all that you need. But when you lose hope, I want to tell you, you can go to some very deep and dark places very quickly. And I'm here this morning to show you that there is no reason for us who are in Christ. There is no reason for you to lose hope this morning. This uh, story that we're about to read comes from the story of Moses as God calls him to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. And there's a moment. We know uh, all the amazing things that God did to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But there's this moment early on that we're going to read in just a moment where God gives a sense of hope to the people, and then immediately things get worse instead of better. You might already know what I'm talking about. But it's this little uh, snapshot that I want to focus in on this morning because many people find themselves right there and living in that place for much longer than they're supposed to. And I want to read this scripture with you, Exodus chapter 5, chapter Uh, Sorry, chapter 5, verse 22, and this is going to go into chapter 6 as well. Follow along with me. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil, say evil, to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Next chapter, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his, of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I who appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I've also established my covenant with them to give them the land of the Canaan the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. I want to preach a message I've titled this morning, God's promises are bigger than your problems. And I want to remind you, God has not left you nor forsaken you. He is still on his throne And no matter what you are facing today, 
God's promises are bigger than your problems. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come by the blood of Jesus. I need your anointing and your grace. I need you to minister to your people this morning to do more than I could ever hope to do. Lord, I'm praying, God, that you would use this word to encourage and strengthen somebody in their time of need, that we would walk away fully confident in your ability to rescue us in our time of need. We give you glory for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, amen. I want to think about, first of all, the apparent failure. Moses, in our scripture, feels like a failure. Have you ever felt like that? And because what he has come to do has utterly and tragically fallen on its face. If you read the story of Exodus, and time does not permit me to go and tell the whole story, but we know that God spoke to this man and told him, you will be the deliverer for my people of Israel. And he's hesitant about this. He resists the will of God, we know, but finally he's convinced and he says, okay, God, if you want me to do this, I'm going to need you to help me, but I'm going to go. He says, okay, God, let's do this thing. He tells his wife, uh, there's, there's some problems on the road about circumcision. That's an interesting story. But ultimately, he convinces his family. He talks to his brother Aaron, and, uh, and they finally they show up to Egypt. And he, he even goes and he performs the miracles. And he does all these amazing things. And, and now it's, it's, it's time to go before Pharaoh to do what God told him to do. And he goes before Pharaoh in chapter 5 and he says, Let my people go, for they are to come and worship me in the desert. Now, I don't know what Moses was expecting, but I know if it was me, I would probably expect God told me to do this thing. God told me he would set the people free. And so Pharaoh's just going to do what I told him. But how many know that's not what happened? The very next thing that happens in chapter 5 is that things get worse and not better. Things get much worse. Because when he tells Pharaoh to let my people go, for they have a date with destiny in the promised land, Pharaoh hears this, and what does he do? He doesn't just say, okay, I guess it's time for me to let the people go. Nope. Instead, what he does, the Bible says that he begins to make their burdens even greater. And this is such a letdown because the first stop that he made on the way to Pharaoh was to the people of Israel. He talked to the elders. He talked to all the people that were in bondage. It says in chapter 4, verse 29, Moses and Aaron went and gathered together the elders and children of Israel, and they spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He did the signs in the sight of the people, and they believed. The people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel. And that he had looked on their affliction. They bowed their heads and they worshiped. They said, finally, after 400 years, our prayers have been heard. And God has sent a deliverer. And it's Moses, no less. Their hopes have risen up. Their faith, their expectations. They looked at Moses and they put all of their hopes and dreams of finally being set free. And they said, you go, Moses, you go tell Pharaoh what God told you to say. But how many know things didn't go as planned? Things didn't go as they expected. There is at this moment a great resistance by Pharaoh. The Bible says that he 
increases the labor on them. This is in chapter 5, verse 6. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks for which they made before. Do not reduce it, for they are idle. Pharaoh, in his mind, he says, okay, if you got time to go worship in the desert, then I guess you can do some more work. So instead of providing to you the ingredients necessary to make these bricks, I'm going to let you do that part. Quota remains the same. You just have to do more work. Verse 9, let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. This, beloved, is not the victory they were hoping for. This is not them being set free. This is not them experiencing uh, the promise that God had already said that God had for them. How many know God had already promised them? I have a promised land for you. And now Moses shows up with the tangible expectation of that hope that he's standing there in front of them. And they, they begin to rejoice and worship and bow their heads saying, finally, Lord, finally, it's here. The time is happening. But the next thing that happens is that it gets worse and not better. I have seen this play out so many times in the kingdom of God. I've seen people go through exactly the same situation, different, different ways, different translations, but the same story. How many know this happens very often with people who newly express their faith in Christ, that people who are in their sins and they become convicted. Maybe they pick up a Bible or hear a gospel witness or uh, maybe a friend of yours that you've been witnessing to. And, and, uh, and so they make up their mind, hey, I need to go to church. Hey, maybe there's something to this faith journey. Maybe there's something to this Bible that you've been telling me about. And they make an initial move to the kingdom and the first service. And you see them sitting on the front row or you see them, God's dealing with them and come to the altar and tears begin to shed. But how many know the next thing that happens is that it gets worse and not better. Did you know that? The new convert experience, be careful what you promise to the new convert. Oh, God's going to fix all your problems. We know that God eventually will fix all of our problems. But in the moment you become a new convert, all of hell's guns begin pointing at you. Because he's losing a faithful soldier. And hell begins to target and attack and all of a sudden temptation. And all of a sudden an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend. And all of a sudden, people who wouldn't even spit on you if you were burning, all of a sudden, they're offering you free booze. Let's go party. See, things can get worse before they get better. I've seen people who make a commitment to God. They come to an altar. They hear a message. They get inspired. They fall down before the Lord and say, you know, Lord, I want to get serious about this pursuit of holiness. I know you've been dealing with me about my pornography. I know you've been dealing me with me about this addiction, this sin, this bitterness, this, uh, this uh, cigarettes, these whatever it is that God has been dealing with you about. And Lord, I know I need to, I need to be holy as you are holy. God, I, I, I'm going to make this commitment. I'm going to step in the right direction. And that's good. And we get, we get a little high. We get a little excitement out of that. And Moses shows up and he says, oh, yes, it's going to happen finally. And then reality sets in. And then your flesh starts to cry out. 
And then the circumstances and the, and the enemy begins to uh, form weapons against you and uh, things get worse instead of better. You got to be really careful in those situations. In marriage, you know, finally, after so many fights, you, you come to a point where, uh, where you've got to, uh, you, you, God's dealing with you. We've got to make some things right. We've got to let go of a few problems. We've got to move forward in the will of God. We've got to treat one another right. And things can seem good for a few days or a few weeks. And then things get worse instead of better. In ministry, I've seen people step out to begin a new ministry, doing, tr- trying to do something for God. But guess what? You begin a new ministry. There's some difficult things that happen. You fall flat on your face a few times. And that's even worse because it's public. Everybody's looking at you. Oh, look at brother so-and-so tried to do an altar call, uh, and he forgot uh, what his name was. He was talking about Noah instead of, uh, instead of Moses. And, and, and it's public, and it's embarrassing, right? And things get worse instead of better initially. I've seen it over and over again when people, we, we get inspired and we make a move toward the promise of God and that's a move that we make by faith and that's a good thing. But we've got to be so careful because initially things can get worse before they get better. It's bad enough that these children of Israel, that they were slaves and now their workload has increased. The taskmasters have become begun to be more cruel. They've increased their suffering. And I want to reveal to you some mistakes that we can make when we're in this place. Mistakes that the children of Israel made. Let's learn from their example this morning. When, we, when our problems begin to overwhelm the promises that God has made to us, when we know that God wants us to move in righteousness and in holiness and in obedience, but all of a sudden the circumstances get more difficult. Be careful that we don't make these mistakes. Number one, refusing to ever hope again. I see people who have been burned. Oh, yeah, I believed God once. Ha, how naive I was. Yeah, I remember putting my trust in the promise of God. Then I got burned. I guess I won't make that mistake again. And you know what becomes of those people? They become bitter, trapped in their own unbelief, and limited by what God can do in their life. They are limiting. God says, I want to do a miracle, but you refuse to believe. Here's a people that if they don't, If they don't make a change, they say, oh, yeah, Moses, we're not going to make that mistake again, trusting in what you said that God wanted to do. I see people who sit in church services and preach about uh, the the good news of the gospel, and they say, yeah, that might be true for 90%, but not for me. I'm a special case. See, God, one time I believed God, and he let me down. That is a refusal to put our trust once again in the Lord's second mistake that they made was that they begin to blame God and his people for the problems. Look at verse 21. They said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge. This is the people complaining about Moses. Ready? Let the Lord look on you, Moses, and judge you, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh. In other words, Pharaoh hates our guts, and it's your fault, Moses. And when they're saying it's your fault, Moses, what they're really saying is it's your fault, God. 
you did this to us. You made it worse and not better. And right there, see, that is the beginning of a twisting of the theology. And they're now, now they're looking at God instead of the promise keeper. They're seeing him as the one who's making things worse. God, you must be cruel to me. And their, their idea of who the Lord is begins to shift and change into something that was never intended. This is the, this is the, the servant that the, Jesus told this parable about the one who received the five talents, the two talents, and finally the one who received only the one talent. And what did he say about his master? He said, I knew you to be a hard man. So I took your money and I dug a hole and I put it in the ground and there it sits and here it is back to you. Why did he do that? Because he had a bad theology. He said, my master is cruel and harsh. You know, the other two didn't say that. The other two knew that their master was generous and kind and that he was going to keep them accountable. So they reasoned to themselves, you know what? I better do something with this gift that God gave me. I better do something. And they did with a faithful expectation of good things to come. But that one with the one talent, he said, ah, he's too cruel. I better not mess around. And guess what happened to him? Weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness. That's pretty serious. They blamed God and his people. Mistake number three. When we experience letdown, failures, difficulties on the path to God's promises, is that they can let failure become fatal. Sometimes when we fail, we say, well, it's over. I'm done. Stick a fork in me because I am done. Exodus 5, verse 21 again, in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. How dramatic. You know, this is the problem of teenagers many times. When you're a teenager, and I can remember, it, was, it wasn't that long ago, you can remember what it felt like when, when things are going bad for you. It feels like the entire weight of the world is on your shoulders. And this is why the, the, that su- suicide uh, is, so, uh, is so attractive to many young people, unfortunately, because it feels like things will never get better. And so they take a temporary problem and they apply a permanent solution. Be careful when things take a turn for the worse. And guess what? That will happen sometimes. When things get serious, when things get real, when the taskmaster begins whipping on you, be careful that you don't use permanent solutions for temporary problems. They thought it was the end of the story. They thought it can't get any worse than this. We might as well just die. Well, that's just dramatic. In reality, this is still just Exodus chapter 5. There's a whole nother 15 chapters of God's miracles that he's about to do. They can't see it. This is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. Let me give you some hope this morning. No matter what, uh, no matter what tub of water you are drowning in this morning, there is hope for you. And even if you die in your struggle, even if the worst happens, guess what? We still have hope in joy, which is to come. He has not even yet begun to show them his power. He's only setting up the scene. The fourth mistake that they make, and the final one, and that we make also, is they say to themselves, well, I guess this is the new normal. We'll just get used to it. You know, it's incredible to me to observe 
how much people are able to get used to things. Coming out of COVID, you, get, you heard this phrase a whole lot, right? We just got to get used to the new normal. It's just going to be like this forever. We're just going to have to put up with it. And this is the danger that the children of Israel are facing now. Oh, yeah, okay, I can understand Pharaoh's demand here. I guess we're just going to have to get used to it. I see God's people right here. God has made you a promise, but you have grown accustomed to falling short, to giving in to the demands of the enemy. And you say, well, I guess that's just who I am. You know, God might have promises for other people. So I'm just going to readjust my expectations so that I don't ever get disappointed. What a mistake that would be. What a mistake it would have been for them to just, oh, I guess we got to do what he says. Guess we're just going to have to take it. Guess we're just going to have to get used to gathering our own straw so that we can meet the demands. You know, we're good, we're hardworking people. And, uh, you, know, God's, you know, God's given us the strength to do it, so I guess we'll just have to do it. And increasing our labors and increasing the demands that we put on ourselves. And I want to tell you, God had, God had a solution much bigger than just getting used to life as usual. Let me ask you, what things have you begun to just get used to in your life? Are there some things in your life that you just said, well, I guess I just have to put up with it. God says, I can deliver you. I can set you free from that. I can do a miracle. I can do more than you could ask or even think. That there is something in your life that you've just gotten used to it. You've just gotten used to the pornography. you just got used to this, uh, this influence from people in your life drawing you the wrong direction. You can't get used to it. What you have to do is if you have hope that God can move, you have to say to yourself and to God, no, this is not acceptable. I will not live this way. God has ordained me. God has promised me to set me free. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. And I am not going to put up with this standard of living as a child of God. I am a prince or a princess of the king. And I deserve every blessing that God has for me. So I'm not going to sit around gathering straw the rest of my life. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to get used to it. I'm going to make my demands because why? God promised me that he would set me free. And so it is time for God's deliverance. Don't make those mistakes. I love verse 1, chapter 6. You ought to underline it. You ought to highlight it. You ought to write it on your, on the back of your hand. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Ha! Moses, you thought this was over. It's only getting started, buddy. It's only getting started. For with a strong hand he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Now, now we have the, the luxury of having hindsight in 2020, and we know 10 plagues, right? And we know opening the Red Sea, and we know water from the rock, and we know manna from heaven, and we know all these amazing things that God did. They did not have that luxury in this moment. So God is asking them, before they've seen any miracles, 
before they have seen God's deliverance. They are in their bondage, and their bondage is worse than it was before. So what God is saying to Moses is, right now, Moses, you need to trust me. Right now. Not after the miracle. Before the miracle. Don't you forget, Moses, my promise hasn't changed. Your situation changed, but my promise didn't change. Did I, did I ever come to you, Moses, and say, oh, actually, I changed my mind about what I was going to do for you? No, he never changed his mind. The promise still remains that he, I am going to take my people out of Egypt to set them free and worship in the wilderness. That's his promise. Can I remind you, church, the promise has not changed. Your circumstances change. Your personality changes. Your emotional roller coaster can change. But the promise of God never changes. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have a promise from our Father that one day we will stand in glory, that he will give you a new name. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. That promise never changed. It's still in my Bible. Pretty sure. So don't let your circumstance determine your level of faith. God has not forgotten you. His plan is still the same. And I'm here this morning to remind you that just as Moses had to preach this to his people, he said, brothers and sisters, y'all are hurting right now, and I'm hurting with you. But the promise is still there. You need to trust. Verse 9, Moses spoke to the children of Israel. Oh, but here's the mistake they made. Aren't you glad for Scripture? Man, the Bible's real. It shows us the problems that we got. Verse 9 says that they did not heed Moses. Why? Because of the anguish of their spirit and their cruel bondage. Now, I know that there's going to be some people who hear a hopeful message like the one you're hearing right now, and it's going to roll off of your back like the water off of a duck because right there, because of the anguish of your soul, the bondage that the enemy has put you in. God is saying to us, now is my time. Now I'm going to change this situation, Moses. You're about to see what I'm going to do. And yet there's people there and there's people here. They did not heed Moses. Get all funky. Get all bad attitude. How would you respond? If God came to you today and he said, hey, you know that problem you're having? I'm about to solve it. Would you believe him? Or would you, would you like uh, the people of Israel, unfortunately, would you disobey because of a heavy spirit? It's possible to have a heavy spirit. The Bible speaks about a sick heart. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, To keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And when we begin to lose hope, in Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says, The hope deferred can make the heart sick. That's true. Have you seen somebody with a sick heart? No matter how much you try to encourage and help them and pray for them, seems they're still still just under the heavy burden of hope that is deferred or delayed. It becomes harder to accept the will of God. And, and what really begins to happen is they begin to settle in to a spirit of unbelief. I guess 
That's just going to be how it is. And right there, dangerous things can happen, church. I want to tell you, we serve a God of hope. We serve a God who gives us hope. And it is not a false hope. It is not an empty hope. Romans 8, 24, we were saved in hope. God wants to give you hope this morning. Will you receive it by faith? If you have lost your ability to hope in God, let me make a bold statement to you. If you have lost your ability to put your hope in God, then your salvation is meaningless. You're just like your unbelieving neighbor who's on his way to hell. It is possible to be saved from our sins. And yet because of a disappointment, because of a present difficulty, your heart can become so sick that your salvation has lost its power. Let me ask you. There's probably very few people in this place who have gone through tragedies worse than our sister Tornisha this morning. And yet she stands up and gives a hopeful message. And she fills all of you with courage and excitement. I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think anybody, anybody here has had a worse last six months than her. And yet she is full of hope. So what's your excuse? Maybe God has to take you through a cancer treatment so you can have a little hope. Let's talk about the destination as we close. On the extreme southern tip of the continent of Africa, there is a place of extreme danger. It is one of the most difficult places in the entire world to steer. This is why the Suez Canal was such a game changer when it was created. Before that time, they would have to go around a place called the Cape of Storms. At least that was its original name. Because going around that uh, Horn of Africa, it became a graveyard for hundreds, perhaps thousands of ancient ships. It was a place that was fraught with dangerous storms, waves, wind. Every, every ship that passed was in danger of sinking. And so it stands to reason that in 1488, the first European to get to that place gave it a name. And he called it the Cape of Storms. When the word got back to his commander back in Portugal, the king heard about it, and he gave it a new name. And it is the name that it still has to this day. Instead of being called the Cape of Storms, it is called now the Cape of Good Hope. Don't you love that? The storms didn't change. The landscape didn't change. The water and the wind didn't change. What changed? The name. The expectation. Why did he change the name to the Cape of Good Hope? Because at that time, it was the only way to go back and forth from Europe to Asia. And so by turning the corner, by making the journey, they could set their eyes on what was to come and say, you know what? If we survive, we have something to look forward to. <laughs> now, you can go around that Horn of Africa and you can be filled with dread and there's lots of reason. Or you can take your focus off of the moment of difficulty and put it on the destination. Somebody needs to hear that this morning before we close. You need to take your focus off of your difficulty and put it on your destination. When life is cruel, when people are difficult, when circumstances are hard, don't get bitter. Get better. Because why? God is taking you somewhere. The road 
is not over. It's only getting started. Hello, somebody. Our God is not finished yet. Sometimes we make excuses for ourselves. Oh, you know what happened to me? Look at this trail of tears that I've been on. And you might have a good sob story. People might get out violins when you begin explaining. And you might be able to conjure up tears. And yes, if we are people of compassion, we should care about the story that you're having. But I want to tell you, that's not the end of the story. I want you to consider our Savior for just a moment. We're close. Who in this world suffered more than Jesus? Who in all of eternity suffered more than he? Who took upon himself the weight of the sins of all mankind? Do you see Jesus on the cross feeling sorry for himself? Do you see Jesus complaining and bitter and angry? No, we see, we see a Savior on the cross who's full of compassion, so much so that he's ministering to the dude dying beside him. Today you'll be with me in paradise, my brother. He's praying for the people who are crucifying him. Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Set them free. We serve a Savior. Why, did he, why, why, was, why was he able to do that? Because he knew where he was going. His focus was not on the difficulty, but on the destination. I want to challenge you this morning. This is a choice that every one of us faces. Will you focus on the present difficulty or the coming victory? Why did the rats drown on the first story? Because all they could see was the water. All they could feel, all they could experience was the weight but when their eyes began to see some researcher reaching down, whoa, this changes a few things. Hebrews 11, verse 1, the faith is, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You read that chapter of faith in Hebrews 11, it speaks of Noah. It speaks of Noah who was, uh, who was uh, uh, made fun of and mocked and ridiculed in his time for building a giant ark. What a useless waste of time, Noah. 120 years, why would you do that? Until the rain began to fall. He was focused on his destination. Speaks of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. What's your choice this morning? 2 Corinthians 4.16 do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. My message to you this morning, when things get worse instead of better, you need to view this as your opportunity. Okay, God, let's see what you're about to do. Let's see. Because you know what? For me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. There is no downside here. You're going to get the glory no matter what. So I'm not going to let myself become bitter. I'm not going to let myself get all twisted up in a sick heart and discourage everybody around me. You've been around people like that. So you just kind of avoid them in church because you don't want to hear what they got to their latest chapter in their self-misery. Let us be the light which so shines before men. Let us be the salt of the earth that even though the outward man is perishing day by day, but we are being renewed in strength. This is the peace that passes understanding. This is the joy of the Lord, which this world cannot touch. 
we've got to be able to see over the horizon. Lord, you are only getting started here. The miracles have not even yet begun to happen. So don't lose heart. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.